Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Clemens Hoffman. Each week we will discuss tools, tips, and ways to radiate your best life ever. Interviewing practitioners, authors, and luminaries to help you on your path. Wellness, joy, peace, abundance. What do you want to radiate? Today, I am so excited to be sitting here with Steve Sanders, my friend and our life coach with Radiate Wellness. And um, we're just so excited and happy to be here. Hi, Steve. How are you? I'm doing really well. Good. Thanks for inviting me. Of course. You're part of our group, and I we want to know more about what you do. Okay. So as a life coach, um, tell me a, bit, a little bit about the services that you offer with your coaching. Yeah, so there's a couple of different ways that mm-hmm. this can go. Um, one is one-on-one coaching mm-hmm. uh, with individuals that have a uh, something that they may want to clarify, like values or a life aspiration and how to bring it forth in their life. I also uh, am able to work with organizations and teams. Right. Because coaching has a particular aspect about how people relate to each other. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to teams and teams relative to management and those kinds of relationships. Yeah, those dynamics. Exactly. That's something that I also work with too. Right. And, um, you know, kind of like that. We design custom programs for people's needs. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. And so, um, so how long have you been doing this? Yeah, so... That's a great question, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a decade of the 90s when I did it for 10 years. Really? Yeah, in the 90s I did. I did this for 10 years and then I stepped away from it right. for uh, about a decade. And mm-hmm. then and then within the last five years, yeah. I've like recommitted myself to it because I felt that I've grown differently. Yeah. And... Uh, See that I have something to offer to people. Yeah. And so I'm back in it, building a private practice and working with the Radiate Wellness community. Oh, that's awesome. Now, so you were in it 10 years ago. See, I've known you a while, and I mm-hmm. didn't know that you had been in it that long. That's great. So what got what got you in it in the first place, like back in the 90s? Yeah, back in well, back in the 90s, um, I just guess I would say I was a whole different person. Oh, yeah. Weren't we all? Yeah. I mean, I was just a whole different person. Um, I thought that everything that, um, well, I thought I thought everything that I thought about my life, all the reasons, all the conclusions, all the explanations mm-hmm. that I had amassed from the time I could remember as a five-year-old, to a 32-year-old were really true. Mm-hmm. And we were talking and uh, talking a little bit about mm-hmm. the fact that I'd been introduced to Landmark Education Corporation. Right. Yeah. And through participating in some of their programs back in the 90s, mm-hmm. um, I discovered that maybe I can change my mind. <laughs> Go figure. Go figure, right? Like... I mean, it sounds easy. It's really not, I don't think. No, see, that's that's one of the things about a coach, right? Right. A coach is able to listen to a client mm-hmm. and help point to um, repetitive patterns right. of speech, 
repetitive patterns of behavior, mm-hmm. right? Things that are that are in people's blind spots. Right, things that they can't see. Right, absolutely. Things that they can't see right. because it just seems to be the way it is for them. Right, that's their truth. Exactly. And when you're and when you're open and inquisitive mm-hmm. and want to explore that a little bit, mm-hmm. sometimes and most times, right? You can discover that the fixed way that you've thought about something maybe is a little more malleable. Absolutely. There may be other viewpoints out there, maybe some things that you haven't seen. That was radical for me. Was it you, really? You want to hear, here's the radical thing. Let me hear Okay, it. here's the radical thing. Back in the 90s, when I was sitting in one of these programs, mm-hmm. they were the leader was talking about the light that hangs over an intersection that happens to have different colors. <laughs> right, which we see every day. That we see every day when we're driving our car, right? right? Different colors, a light hanging over the intersection, and there were a hundred people in the room, and he asked, what does it mean when the top light can be seen? And I'm sitting there and going, well, the top light is usually red. Duh, it means stop. And there were other people in the room, Christy. I (laughs) kid you not. There were other people in the room that said, I'm from the East Coast in New York City. When that light shows up, that's my indication to hit the gas and speed through the intersection and get out of the way. And I was like, no, but that's the red light. Yeah. And he went, and the leader of the program went through the middle light and then, of course, the bottom light. Right. And naturally, you know, even in me having this conversation with you, right, we're talking about it hanging this way. Yeah. And sometimes they're this way. Really? Right? I've never seen them that way. Yeah, but, but sometimes I they are in different cities, it. right? Okay. They're actually this way. Oh, right, okay. And so, you know, you could go through the meaning of the lights as they light left to right or right to left. I mean, right. all of that, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, when I was in a group of 100 people and we were arguing over what the red light meant, I was like... You had never really thought that there was any other interpretation. I had never thought that there was any other interpretation. Right. Because in my experience and who was around me, red light meant stop. That was it. Nothing else. And it never even occurred to me that another human being in the car beside me would live in a different experience, a different reality, right? Right. Oh, that's interesting. Never. How did that change your life? How did it change your thinking? (laughs) Okay, how did it not? (laughs) Yeah, that's that's almost easier, right? How did it not change my thinking, right? Right. How did it not change me, right? It It was really, really the beginning of what has become a lifelong pursuit yeah. of uh, trying to get underneath and question assumptions oh, interesting. that got put in place yeah. at some particular time that I don't even recall what happened, per se. Yeah. But yet, today, right, sometimes I bump up against these decision walls mm-hmm. where... You know, I talk about it as default with my clients, right? Where I just automatically fall back into a pattern of behavior, really without thought. It just defaults. Exactly. Autopilot, really. Autopilot, right? And of course, today, because of all the advancements in neuroscience, Mm -hmm. neuroscience knows that part of that phenomenon with the brain is 
that when that highly complex situation occurred for the human being, mostly a child, Mm -hmm. right, the decisions they made as a way of survival to get them through it became fixed ways of dealing with life, right? Because you had, you, you solved the puzzle. It's just, it's just that for me, right? About the time I was learning about the stoplight, (laughs) I was to a place in my life, right? Where I was clear that some of those constraints Mm -hmm. that had been put on my life at a very young age, Right. Weren't working anymore as a 32-year-old. Right. Right. You, yeah, because you grew up in a rural. I did. Um, situation, a rural a location on the farm. Exactly. Yeah, in a small town. Correct. Right. Right. And it just kind of seems to me that you kind of outgrew it in a way. Well, given that I was, you know, by that particular time coming into an office building, right, that every day, you had a thousand other people in the building with you. Mm-hmm. They all had different ideas and the different backgrounds. Absolutely, different ways of approaching things. Yes, but for a long, for at least five years of me walking in that building, mm-hmm. I thought we all saw the red light the same. <laughs> that is interesting. Yeah. Wow. No, so when you're talking about walking into this office building of a thousand people, Mm -hmm. and um, so tell our our listeners what is what is you do because you've been doing this a long time. Oh yeah. So, well, um, the simplest way to talk about it and to talk about it back then is I was um, writing documents that described how software was to be programmed. Oh. Right. And since and since the end outcome was making uh, payments that ultimately wound up in checks being mailed to people, mm-hmm. there was a particular accuracy that was uh, <laughs> expected. Expected, yeah, right. right. And you know, back to one plus one, right, e- equaling two. <laughs> <laughs> there there was that kind of accuracy that was expected. Well, and with software, it's right. like very binary. <clears throat> very binary. It's either one, one, you know, it's very, very black and white. It's very binary. It is. And then there were a thousand human beings that didn't operate that way. Exactly. Yeah. That is quite a challenge. And then did it just this path of coaching them and trying to figure out what made them tick and how they could maybe think better, behave differently, did that even open up then? Not really. Not not yeah. immediately, right? I yeah. mean, at that particular time, I mean, what it was for me mm-hmm. was um, recognizing that I wanted to work better with my teammates. And I was a, a 28-year-something, 28-year-old stepping into a supervisory role for the first time. Mm -hmm. And I had an interest in leading people or, you know, who who you were going to supervise for the first time. I had a particular notion about how I thought that ought to go. And so my initial interest was um, really how I could get them to perform better. Right. And, of course... You know, in that process, it was really a huge discovery about how I could think differently to get me to perform better. Exactly. And how I could think differently to get me to listen differently. Absolutely. It's not just them. It's how you interact with them. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, back to the stoplight thing, right? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Um, after I had that shift, one of the other things when we talk about listening, mm-hmm. right, um, I didn't have really any training about how one is supposed to listen. 
You know, that's something we take for granted, but we really do have to have some instruction and some feedback and need to know what works and how our, even our listening is being perceived. We do. And, and what I wound up discovering is that I wasn't really listening to your full thought. Right. When I heard your first couple words, I immediately started strategizing in my own head right. what my response was going to be. Yes. And I didn't know I did that. Right. But when, but when I had a transformative experience that gave me some awareness... Mm-hmm. Are you talking about the stoplight? The stoplight and right. other things, right? Okay. That I got a level of awareness about how that is for other people when you're always jamming conversation back at them, mm-hmm. right? That awareness allowed me to shift to behavior. Right. You know, and and it was so significant to some of my team members that they came and looked at me one day and they were like, what has happened to you? Wow. Is that a result of the landmark education? Sure. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And when other people can see it in you, Mm -hmm. that's when you know you really are onto something. Exactly. Oh, I think that's wonderful. So how long after you started the landmark education series that you started like thinking, oh, I could turn this into coaching? Yeah. So... Um, as far as private practice is concerned, right. my private practice that I'm in now, mm-hmm. uh, like about a 15-year horizon, yeah. right? It was a long it's time. It's taken a while to it's get here. It's taken a long time to get here. Right. Um, but I think through that process, through that decade of um, coursework and instructing programs and different things inside uh, the landmark education uh, model, yeah. right? I did learn something about myself. Right. And that is that I can be trained to listen differently. Mm-hmm. I can be, uh, I have been trained to think, think differently, differently about myself. Absolutely. And, um, and life has become much more rich yeah. When I'm willing uh when I'm willing to have a little bit of healthy skepticism about some of those past decisions okay. and notions I have about myself. Okay. It's become so much more rich. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, for instance, mm-hmm. we have a chorus in Kansas City called the Heartland Men's Chorus. Yes. Right? And um, I sat in the audience for over five years listening to their wonderful performances and dying, you know, like I would give my eye teeth to be on stage with them. Yeah. But when somebody would ask me, well, Steve, why don't you try out? You know, why don't you audition? Right. Whether we call it a tape, whether we call it a decision, whether we call it whatever we want to call it from our past, mm-hmm. immediately what was there for me was, well, because I was always concerned about Pretty much up until that point, Christy, right, before I tried something, mm-hmm. I would assess the pros and cons of it and pretty much decide I was going to fail. Really? Yes. That seems not like as I experience you now. Correct. But at that particular time, right, that when, was your when, truth. when I would see something, my truth at that particular time was I would weigh the pros and cons of it. Right. And depending upon how that turned out, if if I concluded that there was a higher probability of failure than success, I wouldn't even put myself out there right. and try. I would just stop. And now you're in the chorus. 
And now I'm, well, yes, and now I sing with the chorus, and I've completed, um, I got my 12 participation pin, which means I've, I've performed in 36 concerts in Kansas City, and uh, over the course of my participation, there's 15 more concerts that I've done in Washington, D.C., with the Gay Men's Chorus of Washington, D.C., too. Oh, my goodness. So getting over that one blockage point right. has really opened up a whole world to me Yeah, that um, wasn't going to happen. I mean, that's... If you, if you want to... If you want to, like, get to where's the juice for me yeah. in coaching people, right. whether it's teams or other people, mm-hmm. it's about knowing that I can have a conversation with a client mm-hmm. and something can show up in their life that wasn't going to happen anyway. That is right. that is the greatest thing isn't it to see somebody stretch themselves a mm-hmm. little bit or find the confidence to take a risk right even if it's a calculated risk right but it's something that's a little bit beyond their comfort zone yeah their yeah. comfort zone right because well sometimes all we want is someone to hold our hand and just be there next to us when we take these big scary risks or at least what seems like that. What seems like a big scary What risk. seems like that, right? Right. To help us break it down. Exactly. Oh, that's wonderful. Now, um, when you first started getting into coaching, you were doing this more professionally, weren't you? I was. Like, like in your in your job. Can you tell tell me a little bit about that? Sure, I can. Sure. So, well, and I still do do that. And you do that I, still. I continue I continue doing that. But you cut your teeth in a way. I did cut my teeth. Coaching on your job. On okay. my job. So how did you get into that? And can you tell, you, tell me a little bit about that? Well, you know, as... Uh, what, what can I say about that? I can say that there was an open advertisement, an open call... For people that were interested in going through a 12-month boot camp. Wow, that's, yeah. To be to be huge. taught yeah. uh, a particular discipline for coaching inside companies. Right. Yeah. And uh, I threw my name in the hat, so to speak. Right. And was so thrilled that my supervisor in that particular, you know, work context supported me and thrilled when I got the call to participate in the boot camp with 85 other people. That is impressive. A 12-month boot camp. Yeah. That is, that is great. Yeah. It was a 12-month boot camp where there were certain uh, times that we all came together as an 85-person cohort, I think right. they called it. And then in between those sessions, you had an assigned mentor coach mm-hmm. with um, a particular pod of people mm-hmm. that had things to accomplish throughout the uh, time in between the major sessions. Yeah, so you were coaching as you were learning. Absolutely. We were coaching as we were learning, and the mentor coach that was assigned to a pod Mm -hmm. was also listening to us in real-time coach clients. Oh, my God. And so when, when a client session would get over, you know, you you got feedback. About immediate, sometimes immediate, sometimes a couple days later. Right. But it came from the mentor coach, which was you know a person that was recognized um, as having a particular skill set, and I was fortunate to have a lady that um, teaches coaching at NYU. Really. And so she went back and forth between NYU and Georgetown. And, um, you know, she was like the cream of the crop as far as a mentor coach. 
Right. Well, now that you bring up something interesting that I wanted to ask about, you know, we think of in business terms, we think of mentoring ah. and we think of coaching. Mm-hmm. So can, what is the difference between like having a mentor and meeting with your mentor versus meeting with a coach and working with a coach? Yeah, very good. So, um, so here's how I think about it today. Yeah. In the workplace, when you have a mentor, it's about some kind of skill development. Mm-hmm. So that the senior level mentor is taking a junior level employee and training them in the skill set, so to speak, of, in my case, it's like coding software. But it could be developing a budget, right? right. It could be... So it's a specific uh, skill. A specific skill right. related to some job task that a junior person mm-hmm. is receiving from a senior person. Okay. Right? Right. Distinct from coaching, where with what we've been talking about up until now, right, if you're the client coming to coaching you may have an aspiration and aspire to something. So you may be aspiring to be a supervisor. You may be aspiring to be a manager, right? Mm -hmm. You may aspire to make a career change. Or you may be aspiring to uh, apply to a different employer. Right, right. That's your aspiration, but at the same time, you're noticing that you're not taking any action. Maybe you don't even know what action you could take. Maybe you don't. That's right. You don't even know what action to take. And so when when a client comes to coaching like that, mm-hmm. it's it's working with the coach to discover what's getting in the way for taking action. Which is usually connected to some uh, thought or thought pattern that people have about themselves. Right. Some fear about, well, what if this doesn't work out? Kind of like myself in the chorus, chorus. right? Yeah, exactly. What if this doesn't work out? Right. Then what? Then what do you do? Yeah, exactly, right? And so the interesting thing about coaching is that we come from a place where it's innately, there's innate wisdom in the client already that, that they just haven't tapped into. Right. And it's the role of the coach to work with the client to support them in tapping into that wisdom that's already there. So... I'm not tr- I'm not working to give you anything. I'm not working to tell you how you need to be. I'm not working to, you know, uh teach you some great theory, though I may use models of thinking. Right. I may use a particular accountability structure so that when you promise to take actions, we you chart it. See, we You're... chart it. We we see that it happens, right? Right. So that there's some movement, so that the client can experience making a shift. Right. So many times when you want to make this change in your life, there's nobody you're answering to. Right. And it's so easy to just fall off the wagon. It is, to backpedal and tell your, you know, you really want to do this, but then... You know, the going gets a little rough, and I don't know for you, but I know for me, without my coach, right, I would go, well, I really didn't want to do that as bad as I thought. Right. Or it's too hard. Yeah, it just this looks like... It looks like I thought. Yeah, this was, you know, this was supposed to be easy, and it's not, and so, right? Right. I so mean, that's, somebody, it's yes. like... That's, it's an accountability partner. It is. It is. There's an aspect of it that it's an accountability partner, mm-hmm. and then there's a whole a whole another aspect of coaching, which is something that the boot camp trained me in. Right. Right. Which is about creating that um, safe, non-judgmental space 
for a client to be able to explore their story, their narrative, their stops, their uh, decisions that they might have made in life, Mm -hmm. and kind of put it out here on the table and reconsider whether it's working anymore. Now, you talked about learning this in the boot camp, and that is the International Coaching Federation boot camp. That um, Uh That was who ran that. To me, when we first started talking about bringing you on board with Radiate Wellness, Mm -hmm. that was so important to me that you had something that was such a recognized um, structure for your coaching, that you brought something that was, was, you know, backed by an international organization. Can you tell me a bit more about the International Coaching Federation? Sure. So the International Coach Federation is a professional society which is working to um, standardize or increase the professionalism Mm -hmm. of the coaching discipline. And so uh, one of the aspects of the International Coach Federation is that the boot camps, the coaching boot camp like I went through, had to have its curriculum approved to be counted Towards uh, their certification criterias. Yeah. Um, the, and the International Coach Federation sets those kinds of standards for coaching programs. What are the uh, core competencies that you would expect to be trained in? Mm-hmm. And then also ser- a, a series of understanding about professional ethics and Absolutely. responsibility, right? That... That um, under the ethical environment of my coaching practice, right, when when a client comes to me that would be better served by a different discipline, I am under ethical responsibility to refer them. Yes. Right? Yes, and that would be the right thing to do and the ethical thing to do. Exactly. And so are you also a mandatory reporter for abuse and neglect cases and Uh, self-harm? Well, I haven't ever... You haven't had to practice that. I haven't had to practice that. And uh, and here's here's what I'd say about that. Um, Inside the certification that I hold, um, I have an awareness... Of that reporting, however, I'm not under the same professional standard as a social worker would be if that condition came up. Right. So again, I would be making referrals mm-hmm. um, to the a professional in that particular discipline should that oh, come up. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, it sounds like this work through the International Coach Federation mm-hmm. is very much geared toward professional development, professional accomplishment, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so what other applications are there for that level of formal coaching, if that makes sense? So um, would you be able to coach somebody in personal projects using that model? Sure. I mean, the... The, so there's a couple of uh, professional bodies mm-hmm. around the world. This is just one of them, right? Um, and companies, corporations, companies, all different sizes, nonprofits, right, um, use that as a credential. Absolutely. When they're, when the they're, yeah, when they're thinking about hiring somebody, right, this... This is uh, a baseline of understanding and training that people have comfort with, knowing what they're going to get when they hire someone who has a credential from the International Coach Federation. Right. And like I said, for me, Mm -hmm. that was very important because I knew that there there were standards, Mm -hmm. knew there was a certain level of training, a certain level of professionalism. And to me, because there, you know, anyone could formulate their own coaching Mm -hmm. program and... And do. And do. And do. And it varies widely. Right. In terms of 
ethics, professionalism, and results. So, you know, it's great that you are a certified coach in this. Mm -hmm. You've also um, discovered other disciplines in coaching. Sure. Yeah, like Mary Morrissey. Yes, the Mary Morrissey Life Mastery Institute. The Life Mastery Institute. I mean, that sounds fabulous. That's exactly what we're doing here in Radiate Wellness is mastering different aspects of our Mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, can you tell us a bit about that? Sure. So, so the Life Mastery Institute and why I would put myself through that kind of a rigorous training program. Yeah, how rigorous is that? Well, that's... The Life Mastery Institute delivers their program over 12 months. A lot of it now is online study, but there are um, two sessions where you come together as a live body of people working, right? Right. Um, And the particular discipline with the Life Mastery Institute is a real deep dive for Clients and organizations. It could apply to organizations too, but mostly, sure, mostly one on one. Mostly, it would be um, clients or groups of people, right? Right. That want to do a deep dive into values clarification, right? A deep dive into aspirations, what they aspire to. Mm-hmm. And one of the things about the Life Mastery Institute is that it's um, willing to talk about this from a spiritual perspective. Right. Right. And some approaches for business and corporations want to have that very clear line drawn in coaching. Right. To not take it into a spiritual realm. And... One of the things that I wanted to be able to offer to clients was that spiritual dimension, should should you want that. Well, because that's so much a part of who you are. Yes. Is the spiritual dimension. It is. I mean, because we also go to the same church, Unity Temple on the Plaza. We do. And we're both unity. And, you know, it's the whole concept of... Our thoughts create a reality that mm-hmm. we are all part of the Christ consciousness. Right. And how wonderful that you get to bring that in to your work in coaching people in their life exactly. decisions and goals. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And and in that particular regard, with the Life Mastery Institute, mm-hmm. talking about this from a spiritual perspective, right? Right. We would be talking about it that... There is a life force energy that's breathing you. Absolutely. Because when the life force energy decides not to breathe you, (laughs) right? Yeah. We have have a particular description of that. We, (laughs) We say she passed peacefully in her sleep. I call it croaking, but yeah, it's the same idea. It's the same idea, right? Right. And so... And so there is a particular life force that's flowing through our bodies. Absolutely. And it animates us. And it's always calling us to grow. Yes. Now, it was hard for me to consider that for a long time because I had such fixed notions about what was possible in my life. Yeah, going back to that, Mm -hmm. you know, not understanding that you can change your mind. Exactly. That for me to consider that what has the leaves come on the trees Mm -hmm. and what has the flowers bloom and what has the blade of grass grow, I can't escape from that. No, you can't. Uh, uh, No, I can't. Okay, well, it's part of you every waking moment. I understand, but it exactly. took but it took me quite a while in this journey of coaching and my own transformational development, right? To have Absolutely. an appreciation for that. I love it. Well, it's almost like you couldn't have this realization without coming from that place mm-hmm. of not knowing and not being in a position to question. Exactly. 
So right. Exactly. Oh man! So this real this work that you're doing has been, I mean, transformative for you in terms of doing the work. Yeah. And that's amazing, and you get to bring it to your clients. Exactly. Now, um, what um, what type of coaching? So. I know there's a difference between the coaching disciplines that you use. Mm-hmm. And so can you tell me a bit about how you kind of go between those? It's almost like code switching in terms of, you know, like, right, uh, code switching if you've got two different languages and you kind of flow between them. So these different disciplines, yeah, how how do you move between them? Mm. Well, that's, you know, it really is through an interview with the client. Yeah. About what they're out to accomplish. Yeah, you probably could not work in the spiritual principles when you're coaching someone within a business or career. Mostly not. Mostly not. Mostly not. That some, would be a conversation. Exactly. Some some businesses are okay with it. Right. But of course others Right. That that's not they're not. Yeah. Right? Which which is what's fun about having a private practice. Yeah. Because I can float in between. Absolutely. And I'm sure they both inform the other. They do. You know, there's a bit of scaffolding, a bit of technicality that you can bring to the Mary Morrissey, the sure. build, dream builder. Sure. And then some dreams that you can bring to a more structured type of environment. An environment and engagement, yeah. Yeah. And, and, that's, that. and that's what has me really excited about my, kind of my third avenue, Right, which tell me which about is that. which is conversational intelligence. Yeah. So, you know, people have heard about IQ. Right. Intelligence quotient. Right. Intelligence quotient. And EQ. A, a few years ago it was really big about EQ, which emotional. was emotional intelligence, right? Right. And so now the cutting edge because of neuroscience is this exploration into conversational intelligence. And it literally is looking at how our speech patterns and how our words either create affinity between people or turn people away. Boy, this is huge in our news these days. Right. Absolutely. And so you just got um, a certification when I can't, not just, but within the past year, a certification in this conversational intelligence. Exactly. So can you tell me more about that? Sure. And, you know, here's the, here, here's kind of the summation of conversational intelligence, right? If an organization or a person wants to get to the next level of greatness. Mm -hmm. It depends on the quality of the culture in the organization. But for an individual, right, culture would mean the people you hang out with. Yeah. Right? Right, exactly. So if you want to get to the next level of greatness, it depends on the quality of the culture that you... Right. The people you hang out with. Right. Which depends on the quality of the relationships, fundamentally meaning the degree of trust right, and affinity mm-hmm. and bonding, mm-hmm. which depends on the quality of the conversations and the words that's that are spoken. Because that's the medium we use. Correct. To connect with people. Exactly. Absolutely. From from a conversational intelligence point of view, everything happens through conversation because the words literally going back and forth mm-hmm. between the two of us are kicking in um, bioreactions right. and either upregulating our brains or downregulating, or down-regulating our brains. Right. And... Um, certainly we can see in the world around us today yeah. that there is a lot of down-regulation. There really is. There is. Just a lot of putting down, a lot of mm-hmm. not understanding, a lot of deliberate uh-huh. miscommunication. That's right. And So this is needed very much. In, in business, in personal life, and in the bigger spectrum of... Well, in education. Exactly. And, in everything, in growth. 
So um, how does this kind of compare with neurolinguistics? Well, I can't say for sure because okay. I haven't ever done neurolinguistics very See, much. I have a master's in linguistics, so I'm kind of a language nerd. Okay. Well, what, well, what I can say about this, mm-hmm. right, is that words and their delivery with the intention behind it, right, does come with a particular energy signature. Yes, absolutely. And so, you know, having some awareness of that phenomenon, of course, would create conversations, culture, relationships, mm-hmm. and relatedness, right? And so that's what really um, attracted me to conversational intelligence because there was science behind this whole thing and where up until this point of going through this really rigorous discipline last year um if i ever talked about this in a business setting people would say that oh that's soft skills steve we know soft skills are important but you know we're not really you know that's I, soft skills. I feel like you're on a mission to well, change I, minds about that. I am on a mission to change minds about it because now we have the hard science exactly. behind behind the interactions in the language and what what in the well for sure in the 60s and 70s and mm-hmm. 80s was labeled soft skills. Now, in 2016, right. it's evidence-based. Yes, it is. It Absolutely. is. It is. And I love that this is coming into the forefront in business, but then, you know, everything trickles down, it seems, from mm-hmm. that. Yes. And into people's, you know, own conversations, personal conversations, etc. And so um, I was just kind of wondering how you might incorporate this conversational intelligence with the other work that you do, the other disciplines that you, that you follow. Where this is, where this is fitting in the most is with the clients that I am still uh, working professionally with in the workplace. Yeah. Right. In the workplace. Right. Because a lot of them come with some particular, I want to tell my boss this, but I don't know how. Right. Or I want to have this conversation with my team and I don't know how. Um, and we use the disciplines of conversational intelligence to literally design the conversation. the conversation so that when it's delivered, it has words that are going to upregulate people. Yes. And the intention behind it that is also going to fully deliver the communication so that there's no discontinuity between what's said and what the people are present to in the unsaid. You know, that's one thing that a coach can be really um, useful with, with a client, right? Because we can pick up on when there's that misalignment between what's said and what's communicated. Because, exactly. Because people think that communication only occurs. Well, through the words. Through the words. And that's and not That's, not, that's, not, that's not true. And you can hold up that mirror to people so that they can see the full impact mm-hmm. of what their words are. Mm-hmm. I think that's powerful. It's to- it, it totally is powerful. And when you combine that with neuroscience findings... Right. Right. That with the way our brain works, we assess whether or not we can trust somebody within 0.07 seconds. Oh, yeah. 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 I taught a class on intuition last week and Mm -hmm. there was someone from HR in the class. And Mm -hmm. she said that within a few seconds, she knows if somebody's going to work out or not when she's interviewing them. Yeah. there's so many other cues. So many other cues. And and from a conversational intelligence discipline, mm-hmm. right, we know that both of us operate 
inside a field. Mm-hmm. And when two people are within 10 feet of each other, those fields begin to... They do. ...interact. And there's things that get communicated through the field. Mm-hmm. Well before you and I say the first word to each other. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You read their energy. You, mm-hmm. Your energy has a con- conversation, if you will. Exactly. With the other person's energy. Exactly. And so if someone has a hard time just communicating, if someone um, just is not really in touch with their words and their Im- the impact of their words, can they learn to use conversation more masterfully. Yes. Then. Yeah, that's that's the, the whole point. That's the whole point. And but that's, like, can that's they make the... a big radical shift like that? Well, so I'm going to say yes, and <laughs> and they gotta wanna, and they have to want to. They yeah. have to want to. I mean, there has to be. You know, that's the that's the thing about the clarification with coaching that's useful for a client, right? It's not just your work. It's theirs, too. <laughs> yeah, it is theirs. You don't come in with the magic wand. No, no. They got to want to. They do. They well, got to want to. And there's got to be, there's, you know, much like me telling you about having the notion, having the aspiration, seeing myself in my dreams, being on stage performing. Right. There's got to be something like that. That is worth putting yourself through the temporary uncomfortableness Mm -hmm. for the possibility. Right. We have to have the aspiration, the idea of the aspiration before we can create it. We have to have the image of it. You do. Um, So there was another question I was going to ask you. And um, so how do you how do you move through all of these? Like, do you do they just kind of flow seamlessly? When you're talking with somebody. Pretty much. Pretty much. Right. Pretty because much. you've got all these tools in your toolkit. Yeah. That you just pull out the right tool. At the time. Okay. So tell me what type of things do people come to you for? What are some of the goals that you've been helping people with? Sure. So, um, well, for example. Right. Uh, I have a client that was in congregational ministry. And stepped away from that to be in um, seminary academia. And and has now accepted a call to go back into congregational ministry. Mm -hmm. And we set up a series of sessions to look at whether there was anything incomplete from the prior congregational experience, either in leadership or delivery of a vision that would uh, be a gotcha stepping into this new role. Right. Right. And, and we also did some work to distinguish the difference between church administration distinct from leading a congregation towards right. a particular vision. Two different skill sets. Very different. And you don't have to know what these skill sets are. It's the, you know, the client brings that and then you can help unpack that, I suppose. Exactly. Right. So that's one example. Uh, Another, another example, I'm working with a client now through the Life Mastery Institute methodology of dream building. Right. Um, She's going from a highly successful career as a nurse into retirement and she doesn't she knows that there's something that needs to be created mm-hmm. going into that next phase of life because she isn't wanting to adopt the traditional notional you know conversation in the world around us about retirement which is for some people, right, you retire and you just shut down. Right. And she doesn't, and she she has financial resources. However, she's not going to find herself on the golf course every day. Right. Right. And so it's about 
creating what this next phase is going to look like. And we're going through a structured 12-week program. I love where, it. Where we are very methodically looking at um, the creation of that next phase. I love that. And so, like, in terms of, you know, how our listeners might respond to the concept of coaching, you're really helping her determine what her goals are. Mm-hmm. Determine how it's going to look. How it's going to look. Determine what she really wants. Correct. And then help her set it up um, so that she can move seamlessly to that next step. Yes. And we would call it uh, building. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Bridging. Okay. To the new state. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. And then the third state, which is about not so much putting it on automatic pilot, right, but creating a community of support for the new reality. Right. It's like you build it before it's even, before you've even gotten there. So when you move to it, I love that. And, and the people and the community of support to keep it going. Exactly. Right. Because you're not in a vacuum. No, you're not in a vacuum. And you, you do still need to have your advocates and your cheerleaders Right. And how do you go about creating that um, next community when sometimes for people, I know for myself, right, now that I find myself also in a work environment. Right. So in the work environment, you're naturally surrounded by people and people that you click with. Mm-hmm. Right. When you are making the transition into retirement and taking yourself away from there, naturally the relationships change. Mm-hmm. You don't have access to your best buds anymore because they're right. still working. Mm-hmm. And so how do you go about creating that next community of support? Right. You're going from an environment where your day is very structured. You know who you're going to see. And then there's nothing. There's nothing. Boredom. So you're having to create it. <laughs> yes. Create your structure. Yes. And I and I love that you can help her figure out what she wants that structure to look like. Yes. You can help her um, find her resources and find her people, find her some support and community. Mm-hmm. I love that. So, um, so when you're working with clients, and we're just about out of time here. So when you're working with clients, how do they? How do they set up a, an appointment with you? Through just, through our website. Through the website, radiowellnesscommunity.com slash appointments. Correct. And you um, work primarily over the phone. I do. Over I the phone so. and Zoom. Zoom. Great. Video conferences if like somebody to... wants Zoom. Well, what's great about Zoom, you can record the session. Mm-hmm. And so then you've got that to to go back to to refer. Correct. Oh, that's wonderful. Now, you do work a full-time job. I do. And so your hours are mostly the weekends and evenings. Correct. Wonderful. And then I'm assuming you can, working with Zoom and over the phone, you can work with people across many different time zones. Exactly. It's 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 really about when a client can find themselves in a space right. where they can do work. Exactly. And it matches, you know, with my availability. Right. Because it is important for a client to set themselves up in a environment where they feel that they can be authentic. Sometimes right. that's a home office. Mm-hmm. You know, with the door closed, the kids not bugging you, right? It's yeah. it's it it really is a client understanding that for the next 55 minutes 60 minutes right mm-hmm. this is my time for yeah. me for my growth my development right right my and treated my, as such mm-hmm. exactly and they treat they there's some sacredness absolutely to that particular environment and you know it gets treated as such Right. It is right. It's inviolate. Now, I've got just a couple more questions before we go. Okay. I was wondering if you had any resources that you could recommend to people. 
that resources that you like, maybe some books or, or websites that you think are helpful for people if they want to know more about coaching or just if they want to know more about it, conversational intelligence, perhaps. Sure. Well, we can start, you know, if you want to know about the professional discipline of coaching, the internationalcoachfederation.org talks about uh, the criteria and the professionalism and the ethics. Mm-hmm. Um, I could recommend the current book I'm looking at. What right? are you reading now? I'm reading now a book that's entitled The Gift of Imperfections. Ah, by Brene, I love that. Brene Brown. Brene Brown. Yeah. Oh, she's wonderful. Yes. The and, Gift of Imperfections. Yes. The Gift of Imperfections. Oh, wonderful. And I open that every day. And that's awesome. That's I mean, it, great. I've spent quite a bit of time with it over the weekend, and it's, right. and it's uh, changed my mind about some things. I love right? it. Because she's, she's known as uh, a person that researches... Absolutely. Shame and being ashamed. Oh, yeah. She's all about emotions. And she's and all about emotions. And, yeah. And, and what happens when a human being has to keep things secret? Oh, interesting. And certainly one of the things when a client creates a safe space with a coach yeah. is there's this permission granting to bring some light to things that might have been held secret before. That is a very good point. Mm -hmm. This is not necessarily just very surface level, is it? No. You could run into unpacking some old stuff. Absolutely. And so people should know that and be prepared for it. It might, it might come up. It might bubble up that there, there are, there can be surprises like that. I guess I'll, I'll leave it at that. And it's, and I promise you, <laughs> I promise you, you will find with a coach that you really are bigger than any circumstance, situation, or condition that may have happened. And while in the moment there might be some tears and snot, <laughs> you'll make it through. Yeah. And... And on the other side of it, your life will look different. I love that. I love that. I, what I like about what you do is how it relates to coaching. My daughter is into every sport she can get into. Mm-hmm. And coaches, the really good coaches, take the player or the the participant and yep. bring out the absolute best in them that they didn't even know they had. Right. And just coax it and encourage and pull it out. And I think that will benefit everybody. Oh, it does. And, you know, you. I think at the beginning you kind of asked me about my motivation. Yeah, right? I did. And, and, here's, and here's what I can simply say. Somebody stood for me once and I di- discovered a whole different possibility for living my life. And really since that time, my life has been in service of being that for other people because I know the difference it makes when, when you have somebody in your life like that, really what difference that makes. And and for those of us that are dreamers about how the world might be, Right. Right. It it literally is about raising awareness so that so that people aren't on default. Yeah. And that's what I've given my life to. I love it. All right. Well, on that note, I want to say thank you so much to Steve Sanders for being here with us this evening. You're welcome. I've really, really enjoyed our conversation. I always get so much out of talking to you. And um, remember, if you want to schedule an appointment with Steve, visit our website, radiatewellnesscommunity.com backslash appointments, and um, they can schedule right there. Absolutely. And there's packages available, too. There are. Yeah. And, and it's 
listed out on my page. Absolutely. <laughs> Look for my name. Yeah, and radiatewellnesscommunity.com backslash Stephen Sanders. That's right. Absolutely. So you can get a lot more information about Steve, about his practice and approach, and as well as you know how to set up an appointment. That's wonderful. And um, I really appreciate the service that you do to the world. So thank you very much. And I'd like to also thank James Wheeler, Wheeler who is our sound engineer and who gets us set up and going. Thank you so much, James. Uh, I really appreciate it. So until next time, we'll see you later and take care. Radiate Wellness is a community of holistic and alternative healers and consultants based in the Kansas City area dedicated to helping you create spiritual, energetic, and physical well-being. To learn more about our practitioners, services, classes, and events, or to schedule an appointment, visit us at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. Life is hard, and sometimes you need a little help and guidance. I'm Laura West, host of A Guided Life Podcast, and I believe that help is all around us. We just have to ask for it. The universe has a way of guiding us forward with the help of our past loved ones, angels, spirit guides, and ascended masters. On the podcast, I love to explore these ideas with incredible guests and let people know that they are never alone. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you can join me on this journey. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm network and wherever you get your podcasts.